You're now listening to Dirty Feet, a brand new podcast on No More Radio. Bonjour, oui, vous êtes sur les ondes des pieds sales, aka Dirty Feet podcast on No More Radio. I'm Alison Burns. I'm JD Papillon. Oh, I'm Jen Don. The donor. donor. I'm the donor. This is Joanie on No More Radio. Stay tuned for dance, circus, burlesque, tango, movement, salsa, whatever it is, we're going to move you. Happy 2013, everybody. Everybody in studio and everybody listening, you are listening to Dirty Feet on No More Radio. And uh, this is our first week back since our, our holiday vacation. I hope your holidays went really well. I think we all had a good time. It's the holidays. It's relaxing. It feels good. That's right. And we're back with more energy, ready to rock this show even better than we rocked it already in the last two months that we've been operating. We've been doing this for two months, which is so awesome. And thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, so let's get into the show today. A little bit later, we're going to be talking to a couple of very talented ladies from La Otra Aurelia, a flamenco contemporary dance uh, group that's uh, presenting a work as part of the Danse Danse season at Cinquième Salo Place des Arts a little later in the month. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, catching up with a few things that we saw since we last talked to you. Jojo, just recently, you saw something as part of the Wildside Festival, and the Wildside Festival is put on by the Centaur Theatre, and it's actually a theatre festival, but there was one piece in the six series of shows that they were presenting this year that was appropriate for right. us as a movement-based performing arts interested podcast to talk about. Yes, yes, very much so. It was um, a day in the life of Miss Hiccup. From right. um, Her name is Yanomi. Yes. I believe Yanomi Shoshens, if I'm saying that right. I believe um, the company name is Shoshen. That's it. Yeah, Yanomi is, is a performer, yeah. a solo performer, which I think it was her first solo show that she uh, did, but she's been doing it for a while and all over the States, I believe, and even the world. She's from... Japan, yes, I, she, I think she actually just flew in from Japan on the day of her performance or something. That's what um, the artistic director of Santor was saying, Roy, uh, right before. So I think that's pretty awesome because she performed very, very well. So a day in the in the life of Miss Hiccup. There's no text. There's no um, words. It's all kind of mime and gestures and dance. And I mean, it's a, it's a character. Miss Hiccup is a. Uh, is an interesting uh, character, very colorful, as you may see on the uh, the pictures if you uh, find her on on Facebook or if you just go on the Centaur Theater uh, webpage. It's a very it's a very funny show. It's smart funny. It's the timing that she has for all the the, the punches, the the jokes. All her punches are just very tight. And anyways, it's mentioned in the review on Bloody Underrated, so you should definitely read that and go see the show. There's still a few dates left. Thank you, Jojo. And uh, JD, there's a couple shows that you've seen uh, which are no longer playing, unfortunately, but you've also uh, reviewed one of them. Yeah, a few months ago, we, um, a few months ago, we recorded an episode uh, about burlesque, uh, which was launched online around uh, Christmas time. So if you haven't listened to it, you should go listen to it because those ladies are fantastic. And since then, I've been going to see a lot of burlesque shows, uh, 
before the holidays, I went to see Holidayland, uh, which was organized by Cherry Typhoon at Théâtre Sainte-Catherine. And uh, I did a review of that, which is on Bloody Underrated. So if you're interested, go read it. It was a really fun show. Um, and yesterday, uh, no, on Sunday, I went to see um, the Blood Ballet Cabaret at uh, Le Belmont. And it was my first time actually going to see a Blood Ballet Cabaret show. And it was fantastic. It was really a good show. Uh, great performers. Uh, Miss Bloody Marianne, who's the organizer and also performer, is... This is my first time seeing her, and she's just mind-blowing, fantastic. I'm not doing a review of that show, but just uh, quickly, Blood Ballet Cabaret is happening quite often, I think, a year. So if you haven't seen them, I strongly encourage you to go check it out. Nice. So we've covered physical theater, burlesque, and now we're on to our flamenco dancing. Today we're talking with Miriam Allard, who's the choreographer for La Haute Raoria, and Virginie Aurélie Brunel, who's a dancer for La Haute Raoria. Um, hello, ladies. How are you doing today? Good, thanks. Good, thanks. Uh, La Haute Raoria, for people who don't know, is a flamenco-influenced uh, dance company, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Could you tell us about But you're presenting soon at, as part of Danse Danse at uh, La Place des Arts. It's interesting to see flamenco being presented at in a company such as Danse Danse. Could you tell us a bit about the company and how you infuse flamenco in in dance? La Otraria uh, means the other shore. Uh, we're a Montreal-based company, um, and we founded the company in 2006 uh, with the co-director, Edi Graja. Um, so Edi and I work, f uh, we actually are, are based uh, training. All our training is in flamenco. Edi has also done theater, so um, and he's he really really likes cinema. So he has a big influence uh, a big influence on um, uh, on the visual aesthetic of of the work we've been doing, especially since Mu, since our third uh, production. Then we did El Dossi and Nomo Blablatus. Every time we're we're pushing the boundaries further. Um, but it's important to know that like my training is only in flamenco. I don't have training in anything else. So for me. You know, sometimes we don't even use flamenco music. We won't use the traditional costumes. But for me, it still is flamenco somehow, um, even if it's very far visually from what we expect of flamenco. And so, yeah, so we work um, our different productions. We work with different artists. This time we're working with Aurélie uh, Brunel and Miguel Mildina and many other artists also are, are working with us on this new piece. And what we've been doing uh, ultimately is really working um, in a theatrical way. So in traditional flamenco, the musicians will be sitting in the background and the dancers will be evolving in front. In our work, in our most recent works, uh, the, stat the static, uh, that's uh, static. Uh, of the musicians that are not moving, we've broken that. So the mu the musicians are as much part as, of the of the movement as the dancers, and we've been using video. So uh, the video is 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 very important in our work. Also, it gives a lot of context, uh, and it brings a lot to the piece to help develop the theme really. And we've we've pushed boundaries also um, we haven't limited ourselves to using uh, to working with flamenco music in El Dossi our, our previous work there was only one piece that was in flamenco this work it's it's completely crazy so there's much more that is in flamenco we're, we're going further and for me it's it's the idea is really to be free um, and just not say oh is this flamenco is this not flamenco I don't really care anymore at this point 
Does that mean you're not labeling it as contemporary flamenco, but rather just leaving it open? Yeah, exactly. We're trying. I mean, you know, people need to know what they're going to see. Uh, And, you know, Eddie and I have a bit of a problem with labels because what does it mean in the end? You know, it's a big question for me. What is contemporary flamenco? I don't even know what that is. Um, So, you know... If th- if it helps, yeah, we, we can label ourselves that way. But for me, it doesn't mean that much. For me, for us, it's more a question of of just you know doing l- live art. You know, um, in French, you say uh, les arts de la scène. You know, and there's now there's video. There's different types of music. There's it's dance. It's it's many things. The age I prefer the Asian way really of of defining live arts. You know, they they don't separate everything. A dancer is also an actor and a we we try to work our uh, that in that direction really and actually to go back to flamenco and define it a bit more for people who might not have seen performances of flamenco because it's not in Quebec it's not that well known flamenco and for the most part could you describe to us like the the essence of flamenco a bit like the movement where it comes from just um, explain it a bit to mm-hmm. our audience uh, well, flamenco is first of all is a music. Is a, it's a singing. Like the root of flamenco is the the singing. The gypsies that started uh, in southern Spain it was people who didn't have money. Not only gypsies, but people who would work the fields really. So it's it comes from a very poor um, section, if I can use that word, of the of um, of, of that country. Andalusia was very poor, um, and it's first of all a singing and a music, and it's it has had many many influences, Arab, uh, Jewish, of course the traditional uh, Spanish classic. Classical Spanish music and and uh, uh, folklore, so it's flamenco and it is a is a big mix at the base. So it's interesting sometimes to hear people say, "Is this pure flamenco?" Is the, that word doesn't make much sense to me because flamenco in its roots isn't really pure somehow, you know. <laughs> um, but anyhow, so it's a mix of 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 all that culture. A mix that was in Andalusia at that point um, with uh, the the folklore espanol and and so you can recognize it traditional flamenco you recognize it in the in the music first of all uh, in the lines it's very there's a lot of fire there's a lot of strength in flamenco it's very like um, masculine and also w- women will 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 dance in a very feminine way but there's a lot of strength to it so there's something very masculine even if it's a woman dancing i find um, and there's all those lines that are very cut it's not it's not so round uh, traditionally Anyhow. It's also a percussive dance, yes, uh, of course, yeah. which probably has a lot of influence on in how you create. Do you feel that um, with your approach, with your uh, multidisciplinary approach to creation, you ever move away from that, uh, the, the link between the musicality and the, the dance? Do you feel that you ever move away from the, those percussive roots and try to bring movement without having to be restrained by... The keeping the rhythm. Mm-hmm. Well, in in Omobla Blatsus, and I'm thinking of one piece we do with Aurélie, uh, we do actually, it's at least percussively. Mm-hmm. But the link to the music, even if it's not rhythmical, is still there. There's always there's always that link somehow. And even in this piece, there's a there's a one one um, tableau that is uh, done on a conversation, but we're still keeping that the rhythm of the conversation. So that link is is pretty much still there I would say yeah 
And already for you, is it the first time that you're performing? Uh, well, it's the first time you're performing for Miriam mm -hmm. as part of Float Horia. Is yes. it your first professional experience? As um, part of uh, a contemporary flamenco, I would say. I, I've done some show like um, On Place des Arts and always dancing as a flamenco dancer for accompanying a musician. Or So I've I've done a lot of work like this, but as an interpret of um, a vision of an artist, is the first time I dedicate myself, and it's quite a challenge. <laughs> and you come mostly, you come first from flamenco, mm -hmm. uh, a flamenco background too, but you've done other types of dance. Yes, so. I, I've, I'm doing my uh, baccalaureate Concordia in contemporary dance, and I've done some African dance as well, hip hop. Um, I've done a lot of training uh, on many dances, but flamenco is my main uh, training as I pursue since um, 12 years. I'm dedicated myself. And how do you feel in this uh, multidisciplinary environment that Miriam is building? Do you feel that these other tools that you've acquired in other types of dance are coming in handy for, like, to represent her vision? Yes, because it helped me. Uh, be more open to what is she's asking of me and Eddie as well but I would say the main challenge is that the way that uh, there's no like um, the typical flamenco emotion so for me I really rely on music in my dancing uh, flamenco dancing so for me it's a kind of a challenge to find all the um, the physicality but without the emotion uh, coming from the music so it's a uh, quite of a um, a technical challenge and how is this missing here from like from your usual experience this this emotion that you're talking about how is it not as present as it usually is when you do flamenco because uh, flamenco is really about the music so there's typical like gonna be a dance which is really like dramatic or a solea and it's kind of just the music it puts you in a me it, it puts me in a physical environment <laughs> emotion so we, we're gonna because we're doing a lot of uh, work without the typical music we're doing with uh, another soundtrack or environment so to find this physical uh, emotion um, without the voice that is usually there that puts me like right into the <laughs> the mood that I, I need to be so it's kind of just find the physical um, emotion, everything in my body without the the music that I'm used to it. Uh, that's the main challenge. <laughs> so the music, because uh, Miriam, you mentioned that you use live musicians and you bring them in much more than they usually do in your other shows. So what's the link between pre-recorded music, live musicians? Like how do you juggle... Uh, all of that. It's been a, quite of a challenge. It's the first time we're uh, we're working with so much uh, recorded music. Uh, El Dossi, there was only one piece that was recorded. It's a big, big challenge. It's very interesting, though, because um, because it's different. Um, so for us, the challenge is mainly to just to to make a link within the show, so that it 
it doesn't go all over the place, although there, there are quite many different artists that are uh, participating to this. But the theme of the show, Homo Blablatus, is about too much, is about talking too much, too much noise, too much sound, too much images. So it fits the, 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 the theme of this show perfectly well. A sort of cacophony in a way? Yes, yes, yeah, somehow. But I mean, some, some pieces are also very, um, very soft, very, there's a, a big vulnerability that comes out of them also. So, I mean, it's not, uh, it's not a cacophony the whole time, you know. Um, but there is, there is a bit of that. It's very eclectic. It's very different from one piece to the next, you know. There's not a, a narrative that goes and it's not linear at all. It's, it's very much, it goes up and down and up and down. It's, it's, it's very different from everything we've done up to now. And could you tell us a bit about the other pieces you've done? Like, how did you first get into uh, creating works that are not part of the traditional flamenco scene and how that evolved into this show that you're now presenting at Place des Arts? Uh, well, when we first arrived, Eddie and I did uh, two productions that uh, were very much traditional flamenco, to my eyes anyway. But strangely enough, people who came to see it would say, oh, that's contemporary. Your movement is very contemporary. And to me, that was completely astonishing because it was, you know, I, I worked in Tablaus in Spain and it was really just very much what what I would be doing there except that I didn't wear the typical the traditional clothing because I just don't feel it, it, I belong in that in that sort of disguise somehow um, so I don't know I think somehow it sort of have opened up a window there people saying it's so different it's what you're doing is so different from from what we see here um, and I think just naturally we just um, you know I think I always felt in Spain I always felt a bit like like a, a um, fake, you know, when I was putting that flower in, when I was wearing those polka dots, it just didn't re really feel right. And being in Montreal for me really helped me to just to just let go of all what flamenco should be and just say, okay, yes, flamenco should be this and this and that, but who am I and what can I express through flamenco, whether it is with a mini skirt or with a very long skirt with polka dots on. Um, but anyhow... Um, Our first uh, uh, opportunity really was at Tangente in 2008. We presented Mu. Uh, and just the fact that we were um, at Tangente, we felt it was an, an opening to just try something very different. And Eddie has always, as I said, he worked in theater and he, he loves cinema. And so he, for him, it was a, a big chance to just say, you know, let's try to put something together that is very, very different. So Mu was um, a big challenge for me. There was just one musician, Eddie, Uh, and myself, and it was about uh, uh, metamorphose. So it was three different states, uh, and you know, one was completely on the floor. The other one, I had my arms were at the back, so I couldn't use them anyhow. So it was three diff very different movements, but it was still very much linked to the flamenco music at that point. So that was at Tangente. And from there, uh, Danse Danse actually came up to us, and, and they saw us at Tangente, and then they saw us in the traditional form. And they offered us a carte blanche uh, uh, for the 2010 year, which was amazing for us. And as Danse Danse is a contemporary um, dance programmation, well, we felt it was, again, an opportunity to develop that aesthetic that we had started uh, mainly with Mu. 
So we produced, uh, we presented El Dossé, which is a work with four musicians and myself on stage. And again, we started video then. And that's where we started really having the musicians uh, moving around and the video taking a lot of place uh, to bring context, to bring in the narrative and to for the moods also but again El Dossi was very much flamenco because all the all the the tableaux were uh, flamenco music except for one which was danced on Jacques Brel but it was going away from that you know very coded uh, traditional flamenco and when I say coded for me it's really not uh, uh, something that's negative I love traditional flamenco and I might go back to it in my next production we haven't decided to do this very different work because we dislike traditional flamenco. It's just we, we want to feel very free in what we do, and we don't want to feel any pressure on you have to do this um, this way, thing, things this way or another way. We just want to, you know, do what we feel like in the moment. El Dose was my first introduction to your company, and at the time I, I felt that this was something that I hadn't experienced before. Since then, I've I've seen other versions of contemporary flamenco. I'm sure you have a better concept of, of what the scene is like right now um, in terms of that. Are there a lot of people experimenting with this? Is that a Montreal-specific thing? Is that happening elsewhere in the world? Uh, I think it's hap happening... In, in many different places in the world, uh, in Spain, quite a bit. Uh, of course, there's Israel Galvan, which is a big influence of mine, and I think obviously of Aurelius too. <coughs> he's an amazing artist. I, ha I had the opportunity to work with him, uh, and he's a very big influence for me. Um, and again, Israel, he'll just say, you know, for him it's flamenco, whatever he does, even if it's he, he's dancing on heavy metal, it's flamenco because that's what his training is and that's who he is. Because flamenco somehow is more about a state of, of being more than, than, than anything else somehow, you know. Sometimes I go see shows, uh, a humor show I went to see, and for me, you know, the only thing that came out was Ole because it was so grounded. It was, what was happening for me was flamenco somehow, you know. It's, it's, it's very much a way of being. Anyhow, so there is Israel Gavin, there's Rocio Molina, there's many great, great artists in Spain. And outside of Spain, uh, I don't know the scene uh, that much. Here in Montreal, there's Ray Brohe that's doing crazy work also. <laughs> um, and and I've, you know, on f through Facebook and so on, I've seen things. In Barcelona, there's a festival that, uh, uh, that Juan Carlos Lerida uh, uh, directs. And it, he's, he's bringing people from all around the world uh, that, that are doing different things. And that for them is flamenco. That for them is just, you know, that's their way of expressing themselves through flamenco. I saw a piece uh, last fringe by Sarah Brassard, oui. 4KG, mm -hmm. and I think she also did it at uh, 303 through a residency. Uh, so you've seen it, or you're aware yeah, of it? Yeah, Sarah. Yeah. Of course, yeah, she's, yeah, she was in the mentorship we did. Okay, yeah, so, fantastic. Yeah. But for me, that work really broke down the elements of flamenco, and I felt like I understood it a lot more, as you were just saying about the feeling of it, mm -hmm. just kind of the harshness, the strength, and all that. So even when she was being round, she was still doing flamenco, because she was mm -hmm. still embodying that emotion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much so, yeah. So was it the first time working with another dancer, an extra dancer, in this show? Uh, I've worked in Denominación de Origen Descontrolado, or a second production. I worked with Natasha Masicot, but that was very much traditional flamenco, so she had a solo. And we did a duet, which wasn't a, a duet in the 
traditional way mm -hmm. in the sense that usually in, in more classical flamenco you have something like a corps de ballet which is you know if you do a duet people are doing the same thing and uh, with Natasha I worked a duet that was we, we were not doing the same thing the whole time so mm -hmm. we were res responding to one another and sometimes we were just doing different things at the same time so it was already more contemporary um, at that point but for a full show yes this is the first time I've been working with uh, uh, with another dancer and it's a fantastic uh, it's a great opportunity I'm really happy that you know life brought us there because it wasn't the the, the the first idea but things just moved forward and 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 we brought Aurélie in the work because would you, would you say that flamenco often uses one dancer or one you know, main dancer that you see all the time yeah. on stage. So how do you show movement or how, how do you bring two people on stage or three or four eventually, who knows? And how would you bring that in your work? Yeah, yeah. Th that's the thing with traditional flamenco. It's such a personal interpretation of music that it's very hard to be two doing mm. doing that at the same time because you, you, you don't feel the music the same way. You know, you can't. That's just not possible. Flamenco in the traditional form is an expression of oneself. So two people are not the same. So in a more traditional context, that's just not possible, except in the fin de fiesta, which is the end of the show where we're just improvising and doing, you know, silly things or whatever it's just more fun than you can but in a full solo you can't really do that so um so yeah i think for me anyways the only way to do that is to to break it like to to make it more contemporary more uh you know just like in contemporary dance you have people doing you have to be watching in more than one space of the stage because there are different things happening. And somehow for, for a traditional flamenco, that's not how it works. You just look at one, one person or if it's two persons, but they're doing the same thing. So yeah, it's really interesting for me. And I, and, and I, Eventually, I would like to to work on on you know group pieces somehow, but it's a big challenge because you know especially this time around I'm dancing in it also and we're doing pieces together, so it's a big challenge for me to be in and out. You know I think sometimes I'm saying maybe next piece I should be completely just as choreographer just to be able to really watch the the visuals and see what what it's giving or not you know mm -hmm. take a step back yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <coughs> what about you Aurélie how how is it to uh, uh to be dancing with Miriam I guess if you've trained as a flamenco dancer then you've also been dancing on your own maybe or just uh performing by yourself yes. yeah I think it's yeah to accept that um our expression is different but yeah. Miriam is a big uh, it's a big influence on me like Miriam like her style uh, when she came to Montreal she was in Spain and I knew her in Montreal but I was like oh my god and she, she came back to Montreal to teach so I was taking her classes so she's my teacher as well that's how we begin our relation so uh, for me it was a big step to dance with her on stage so so for me it was just like a big like uh, opportunity and a, a big um, chance for me so to dance à côté de Myriam et tout alors ça m'a ça m'a fait quoi ça fait grandir c'est sûr, sûr en tant que voilà. flamenco hein. oui voilà parce que disons Myriam euh, comment je peux dire c'est que elle a une influence flamenco elle est flamenco mais elle est très contemporaine dans son dans le style qu'elle va le, le mouvement va sortir de l'intérieur et parce que souvent dans le flamenco c'est très la forme euh, Comment je le vois, ça vient de l'intérieur, mais il y a beaucoup de formes qu'il faut atteindre. Puis Myriam, son mouvement est vraiment de l'intérieur et tout. Alors pour moi, c'est super contemporain. Et euh, voilà, puis alors c'est 
c'est un grand pas de, de, de partager la scène avec une artiste comme ça. Mm -hmm. Voilà. Cool. And could you tell us a bit about the musicians? Because it would have been interesting to have musicians today with us mm -hmm. uh, because of how closely linked flamenco is to the music. Mm -hmm. So could you tell us about the musicians you got? What are their backgrounds? Do they come mostly from flamenco background? Do some of them come from different types of music backgrounds? So on stage, we have Edi Graja, who is singing and doing palmas, and Miguel Medina, who is a percussionist. Uh, Edi's background in singing is, uh, he, he, did, um, he did a bit of classical music uh, to start with, but his, he, he's only done flamenco, mostly like myself. Um, and Miguel is a, is a percussionist, uh, I think it's world music, like he's, he's from Mexico and his, his training, he does a lot of different types of, of, um, of music and he plays in Concordia, he plays mm -hmm. for a lot of, of contemporary dance artists also. Uh, and then Caroline Planté composed an, one piece, one guitar piece, and she's playing in it also. Um, so she, her training is flamenco. And Jose Sanchez, who's from France, uh, is also a flamenco guitarist. So th they both are uh, very much, uh, their training is flamenco mainly. Of course, Jose and, and Caroline, they're like myself and Eddie. I think they're very much influenced by by everything, every kind of music that, that comes, that they hear, you know. Uh, they're not only doing flamenco and, and obsessed with it sounding so flamenco. They're very open-minded, obviously, otherwise they wouldn't be working on, on this project. And I think for this project, that's the team we have, yeah. And you mentioned Palmas as part of what Eddie does. And Palmas is the, well, hand clapping, not to be reductive, but could you tell us a bit about that? Because I don't think, I think that every dancer yes. learns how to do Palmas yeah. too. <laughs> and Aurélie in this piece is also doing Palmas, Miguel also. And Eddie. Yeah, Palmas, it's the hand clapping, it's all the rhythms of flamenco. And of course, like even before there was guitar in flamenco, there was the first thing that accompanied flamenco was the hand clapping. So, and then came the guitar, and then came the cajon and the percussions. The percussions actually come from, from South America, they don't even come from Spain. So, uh, yeah, uh, Las Palmas is what first uh, accompanied flamenco. It's, it's essential to any flamenco dancer or artist to know how to. To work them <laughs> and what's the link between like the way you use your hands and the way you're going to use your feet when you're dancing is it like always on the same beat or do you alternate beats between what's happening in the upper body and the lower body uh, you alternate um, it's I mean it's pl it's just playing around and the more you have The more you're able to isolate parts of your body, the more interesting, you c the more interesting things you can do. I mean, if your head can be turning in a different direction than than your hands and your footwork can be, do your feet can be doing something else, then it's it's just amazing because it's so rich, you know. Obviously, that takes a lot of time. It's like you know, it's it's your vocabulary. So your technique is is your vocabulary. So the more you're you're agile, the more you have and and you dom you dominate. I wouldn't say that you master it. <laughs> You, the freer you are, really. You know, Israel will even, you know, his teeth will be at compass in a different way, you know? I mean, I mean, and that's where you're aiming. That's what you're aiming. You're always... And if you want everything to go, you know, at the same time, you also can, obviously. But it's to be, be able to play with all those different aspects of your body that is amazing, yeah. 
You keep referring to the, in the structure of the work that you do, having cinematic influences. And to me, what that means is kind of a big focus on the setting, the costuming, the lights, and a particular drawing of the eye around the stage. What does it mean for you? Does it mean that? Does it mean more than that? It's very much that, and, for, and that's very much Eddie. I mean, obviously, we work together, so I don't like to always separate what we do. But that influence, he's influenced me. He's brought me to see more, more cinema and more, you know, different cinema than what we, we, we see in the, in the regular cinemas. We were living in Paris for, at one point, and Paris is the, the city for cinema. So anyhow, yeah, that's very much a shared vis- vision, and it's... Yeah, the costumes are important. The, the lights also very much because as soon as you have video, the lights has have to be very different. And they, they, I mean, Homo Blablatus and El Dossi, as a spectator, you have to just sit and let go. It's not, it's not a show where you're, you're going to necessarily know when to applaud, know when to say ole. And I think it's not a show you can, you can leave halfway through and understand. It's a show you need to see from start to end, and that's how you'll get the feel of, of that piece. And in that way, it's very much uh, uh, like a film somehow. You know, it's, it's like a, uh, c'est comme un voyage. And, and you have to go through every single tableau to understand it. And how does the setting where the show takes place influence your your creation? Do, do you feel that performing in cafes, because sometimes flamenco can be performed mm-hmm. in cafes, yeah. smaller theaters, do you feel that performing at, at it's at Saint himself yes. for the show? How do you feel like with the relationship to the audience, the audience being further away from mm-hmm. you, the stage being bigger, how do you feel that that's influenced uh, the creation of the piece? Very much. Well, Cinquième Salle is still very small, and our work we really we really prefer small stages. And with El Dossi, we toured it quite a bit, and and I really prefer uh, theater houses that fit maybe three hundred people, not much more than that, because I feel the closeness of with the audience for me is still very important. Yeah, it's completely different. I mean, you know. You could never do what we're doing uh, in in a cafe. It's just not possible. At least <laughs> part of it, anyways. You know, because because some pieces are more flamenco, like they're more typical, and those I think you could. But uh, but a lot of it is so visual. It's it's so big in the movement that you need that space. So yeah, it's very it's 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 a big influence. Uh, I wouldn't say necessarily linked to the theater La Cinquième Salle, but in in a bigger theater for sure. Yeah. And how about the front? Do you ever do you use a front normally? Uh, est-ce qu'il y a un côté frontal oh, avec l'audience, or usually is it is the audience more in a circle around you? We were trying to break that front because flamenco is very mm-hmm. frontal, very much so, and we're trying to break that more and more. Um, just because I think our backs can can dance also, our backs can express, our, a, a, a profile can express a lot also. But it, the the audience is still uh, is still at l'italienne. Mm-hmm. Um, we've never tried yet uh, with audience all the way around. Um, but within the choreography, there's there, you know, sometimes we're completely to the sides or whatever. It's 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 much more circular than frontal, yeah. And how do you bring that now into into the piece? This uh, moving away from a frontal attitude, I guess. Oh, um, that's a good question. I just decided somehow to that that you know flamenco is very linear, and it's it's 
because it comes from you know family circles very small spaces in a restaurant in a cafe in, in a family setting really it was it was always a, a very limited uh, way of dancing physically Um, and I mean, even Andalusian, uh, Andalusian Spaniards are, are usually quite short, you know. Uh, it's funny, but it's true, you know. So, yeah, I think it's just when you're bringing a piece to a bigger stage, you just have no other choice than just than just opening to, to, to something that, is, that fills that space. Because if you're just going back and forth from Côté Jardin to Côté Cool, then it's flat somehow you know you need to you need to use that whole space to take advantage of the fact that you are in such a big space and i think the visuals uh, the videos and we have a big decor we have a big cube in this show obviously they really they really influence the way we're working this the, the movement and i would say also that you use like multiple um thing going on at the same time and for me like i see it like it breaks the like frontal like one action and there's multiple things that is going on so i think it brings like the profondeur the, of the space I've seen a, a video, I think it might be from your previous show, where you were using the delay uh, thing with the, uh, the with video, when you kind of go, you cross the stage, and then you see on the video that you cross the stage, right. the delayed reaction. Um, are you using that for, for this show? Because it's such an interesting kind of a medium, I guess, to use. Um, w yeah, I think we're, we're using it once, but in a in a different way. Okay. Because yeah. that was retro projection, projection right. for a dossier, and now we're uh, front projections, yeah. Okay, I guess it's a, just a different way to, uh, like the, the the cube you're using. I guess it brings a 3D, you know, yeah, like a big totally. dimension, which, yeah. which <laughs> as a, as an audience, you kind of see something at, coming out of the stage, and then how do you, you know, dance flamenco around on it, <laughs> jumping from <laughs> it? Uh oh, am I going too far? Well, I can't wait to see that actually. <laughs> I was wondering actually because of the roots of flamenco, where it comes from, it comes from very much. Uh, quote-unquote lower class and like finding a form of self-expression do you feel that this hierarchy of or like there's a class system that's that's still present in your creation because of that or do you feel that it's transcended that do, do you still feel that it's a folk dance in a way and that this will be seen in the type of uh, approach you take Um, when I first arrived in Montreal, for me, that was a bit of a battle because I felt that, yes, you know, the contemporary um, milieu of dance looked up on us. But I think somehow that it's very much our responsibility as flamenco artists to just, you know, not care about that because it's, it's not true, you know, it's, it's not part of reality then. There's not a hierarchy, it's just dance, it's just art, you know. Yeah, I don't. I tr I try not to go there anymore because I think it's it's useless somehow. It's just for me, it feels like I'm defending myself about something from and something I really love. Like I really love traditional flamenco. For me, it, I'm not doing more interesting or better work than what traditional flamenco is. I love it also. And as I said earlier, I might go back to it for the next show because this show's so, you know, <laughs> there's so much to think about. I'm like, oh, let's do something unplugged next time, you know? Um, I think that's also, um, it's more a question for people who are outside of Spain somehow because obviously for non-Spaniards, it's folklore, right? It's something that comes from another country. But for me, I really try to compare it to something like jazz, for example. Jazz at first was, jazz and blues, it was really 
black American, you know, there was nobody else who could do that. And today you have Norwegian people who are doing excellent jazz. So for me, flamenco is universal. It's, it's, I've seen Japanese artists that are amazing, you know, so it's just, a, it's, it's, it's more of a, about a, a way to express yourself. It's more about art. And I've seen Spaniards that suck in flamenco and Japanese that are really great. So, you know, <laughs> and do you feel that it influences the, the themes that you approach in your creation? Like, do you feel that there's this uh, kind of humanistic approach to your creation where you try to look at the little people or trying to, to really, like, focus on the humanity? I think Eddie and I are very uh, humanist. Um, so I think... We chose flamenco because because we or flamenco came to us or whatever. I mean, I think we're doing flamenco because we feel that way. Uh, that's our vision of of life, really. It's more a way of being than than something we thought about. You know that we decided. Le fait que le flamenco vienne euh, du peuple, oui. vraiment, c'est que ça soit pas quelque chose qui a été bâti avec des, des idées. Euh, très philosophique, oui, quoi que ce soit. Oui. C'est ça, mais que c'est ça, vraiment une forme d'expression. Euh, tu mentionnais le feu tantôt. C'est quelque ouais. chose qui vient vraiment des tripes, des, des ouais. tripes exactement. Mmh. Euh, et qui a permis à un peuple, justement, de s'exprimer alors qu'il sentait peut-être qu'il n'y avait pas l'opportunité. Oui. Est-ce que tu sens qu'il y a une certaine conscience sociale, parce que ça, ça vient un peu de cette approche-là de la conscience sociale, je trouve qui, euh, qui va affecter tes thèmes. Est-ce que tu est que essaies de faire de quoi qui va avoir une conscience sociale dans ton travail? Non. non on n'est pas, pas des donneurs de leçons. On n'est pas dans la politique. On n'est pas... Non, pas du tout. Pas du tout. On est plus dans la poésie. Mm -hmm. On est plus dans l'humanité, comme tu disais tout à l'heure. On est plus dans... Et dis-moi, on est plus des gens qui, qui aiment les belles choses, qui aimons les belles choses, qui aimons partir un peu oublier. Puis c'est comique parce que Homo Blablatus, c'est vraiment parti d'un ras-le-bol, justement, des, des, des choses qui sont pas bonnes, qu'on a vues, de, 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 des mots qui veulent plus rien dire, des images qui veulent plus rien dire parce qu'il y en a trop de mauvaises qualités. Et d'une certaine façon, au début, on s'est dit, bon, on va faire ça en silence. On va faire ça avec, euh, avec rien. On va partir du silence. Euh, et puis, ben finalement, on est allé vers quelque chose qui, qui est dans la surabondance aussi, un peu pour, euh, pour, pour montrer notre ras-le-bol. Mais voilà, je pense que c'est plus parce qu'on est des gens qui aiment, qui aiment les belles, qui aiment les belles choses, qui aiment les choses bien faites et qui, qui aiment les êtres humains aussi. On n'est pas dans, on n'est pas dans la, dans la, le truc trash. On n'est pas dans la, la, la grosse critique euh, horrible. C'est plus c'est plus, c'est plus drôle qu'autre chose pour moi ce spectacle. -là. You said way back when about you, you've been training ex exclusively in flamenco, but I'm sure you're influenced by other artists in different genres. Can you speak a bit to that? And would any of that be informative to an audience member? Or strangely enough, like in the the oh, it's been fifteen years now. I mostly listen to flamenco, <laughs> and like I try to go see a lot of contemporary dance, um, but I'm still mostly attracted to 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 flamenco artists, um, and they're the ones who really influence me and cinema. We see a lot of cinema with with Eddie, you know, from Fellini. Fellini would def definitely be a, a big in influence to more contemporary um, directors. I think it's more of an of a general influence of of what we 
of what we read and and listen to and I can't really you know pin and say oh this this artist I really really love and you know he really influences me apart from somebody like Israel Galvan who totally <laughs> blows my mind yeah. <laughs> and another almost unfair question as you're about to embark on this show but uh, what is next you you hinted <laughs> that you might be returning to simpler bare bones flamenco is that part of your plan uh, I really don't know at this point to be honest but uh, but we d I do I do feel that we need to do something like really basic after this because th this show is completely crazy and I feel I need at least even if it's not a production that you know that we move around a lot but just for ourselves maybe to go back to basics I think we need that for a while how about you Orali? what is your next step after this performance um well, <laughs> I'm gonna see where the the wind. Um, I go with the wind, but I'm going back to Spain. I I go every year, like one month. So I'm going back, and I'm continuing my baccalaureate at Concordia. I'm finishing this year. So after I'll see uh, with all the project and. Uh, if I continue to explore um, my expression as well as a choreographer and if I can continue create my own expression while continuing working with Miriam. Speaking of the show that you're working on, can you give us the details on where and when to see it? We'll be at La Cinquième Salle of Place des Arts from the 16th to the 26th of January. And then we're going to Sherbrooke on the 5th of February and to Toronto, 15 and 16 of February at Danceworks. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much Thank for you. coming on with <laughs> Thank us. Thank you. <laughs> that was an amazing interview. Uh, if you're still listening and if you've made it this far, we just have a few more minutes left, and we're going to talk about upcoming events and shows. J.D., you had something you wanted to mention. Yeah, the show at Théâtre La Chapelle, which uh, was presented already last year in the past uh, dance season, uh, Je suis un autre by Catherine Godet, which uh, stars her and Danny Desjardins, is being remounted at uh, Théâtre La Chapelle from, on January 16th, 16th to the 18th. And I've heard so many good things about that show. I will be missing it because of uh, obligations, but... If you are interested in going to check it out, I strongly suggest it based on what I've read. It's supposed to be a fantastic show. Awesome. And I would be neglecting my duties if I neglected to mention that Bouge DC starts next week. Uh, Bouge DC, of course, is an annual dance festival. We're going into our fourth year. And I say we because I am associated with the festival, full disclosure. And uh, it's going to be taking place at Mainline Theater, the entire festival. It starts on January 11th. Oh my goodness, that's this week. The festival launches this week on January 11th at uh, 8 p.m. at Mainline Theater. We're going to be presenting Sora, which is the Bouge DC runner-up for the Fringe Dance Award last year. And they're going to be presenting this beautiful, beautiful piece. Uh, it's three lovely ladies, very talented, uh, including uh, Emily Bere, who's running the troupe. 
And after that presentation, of course, we'll be hosting another dance party because that's what we do best. And uh, then the following week will be filled with events like uh, Dr. Sketchy. Uh, there's going to be a dance uh, confabulation, which the theme will be Second Chances, as Bougie sees a remount festival and a training festival, a mentoring festival. And uh, the flagship show, of course, is the common space, L'Espèce Commer Showcase, which is where we've taken six or more applicants. This year there are 10 applicants with a work that they've previously shown, and we've had them redo the piece uh, with the help of a mentor, with full production support, and they have this opportunity to kind of rework it, evolve it, bring it to a place that uh, is really exciting and present it in this showcase. So that's going to be playing five times during the festival. It opens on uh, Wednesday the 16th of January and closes on the Saturday with a matinee. And uh, following that showcase is our Bouge DC Cabaret, which is an opportunity for festival organizers, for the mentors, and for past participants in the Common Space Showcase to show work. And of course, again, round that up with the dance party. Throughout the week, there are other events happening, such as workshops. There's a yoga workshop, a tap workshop. There's a capoeira workshop. That I'm giving. That's right. <laughs> that workshop, just for people who might be interested, will be um, happening on the Saturday, the 12th. Uh, it's from 5.30 to 7 p.m. And it will take place at Mainline Theater. Um, there is a maximum number of participants because it's a small space so if you're interested you can uh, contact at rsvp at bougedc.com that's right uh, to to book a book a spot and it's pay what you can uh, it's the I, what i mean for the workshop is to be fun inviting so even if you don't have much movement experience or any capoeira experience i'm going through the basics of capoeira i'm not going to do a hard, like really advanced workshop, it's really not the point. So if you're interested in discovering a fun new way of moving to Brazilian music, uh, definitely come check it out. For more information on the entire festival, look up Bouge DC on Facebook or go to bougedc.com. And uh, tune in next week where we're going to have a bunch of the artists on to talk about the experience of going through the Common Space Les Bescomer showcase process of reworking a piece. Thanks for listening. We'll see y'all next week. Dirty Feet is recorded every week at the Montreal Improv Theatre. Check them out at montrealimprov.com. Dirty Feet is produced and hosted by Alison Burns, J.D. Papillon, Jen Doan, Joanie Farin, and distributed by No More Radio. You can find more about our show at nomoradio.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Dirty Dirty Feet. And you can find us on Facebook at Dirty Feet Podcast. Tune in next week for a whole new show. Do you wanna 